Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the United States Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me once again, former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are we doing to this week? Couldn't be better, Joe. Excellent. Uh, as always, you can send us questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at NHHSports. And you can listen to the show every Tuesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, and, you know, the uh, the championship games may be in the books, but we are going to go uh, an extra week. So you've got us this week and uh, post-Thanksgiving. So uh, so uh, I don't know. I, I hope you're looking forward to that. I, I know where I'm looking forward to talking about it. I'm sure Mike is looking forward to it as well. Uh, before we get started here, uh, I'd like to remind everyone that the Ninth State Sports Show is proudly sponsored by Greenblatt Norwalk PLLC. Uh, founded in 2017 on the belief that the partners were stronger working as a team, the offices of Greenblatt and O'Rourke specialize in criminal, family, and business law, along with estate planning and litigation. Seth Greenblatt, Jim O'Rourke, Jeffrey Odland, Mary Lynn Rodell, and Laura Duziak take a collaborative team approach in representing their clients. With offices in Conducook, Milford, Plymouth, and Peterborough, they are available to work with you on your schedule. To contact Greenblatt and O'Rourke, call 603 603- 746-1330 or visit golaw-nh.com. All right, we got a couple of uh, championship games to talk about here. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to say that, um, you know, not to take anything away from the freezing, cold, wet games from, from 2019, but uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, being out there covering some football this past Saturday. Yeah, it was it was beautiful, uh, and, and I got to tell you, I didn't go to the 2019 games up at UNH, but uh, I still feel cold and wet just having watched the videos of some of those games. So <laughs> I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be there and uh, you know and, and and sit through all three of those games for the day. Like I mean, at guys. least at least those games. This is the best thing I can say, probably I guess, uh, about the weather was at least those games were at UNH, um, so that there was a you know a, a warm press box that you we could sit in uh you know not cramped press box i should say um that there was enough room for for most of the media to sit in and, and stay dry and watch and warm and watch those games uh if that had been the case at, at you know this year i i honestly don't know especially with you know with some of the protocols at, at some of the schools you know like at i you know the, the d1 game that i was at you know was at bedford and you know they didn't allow the media or at least um you know the non uh I guess TV and and you know um, cameraman media into the press box. So I don't know what I would have done. I'd had to to rush order one of those like uh, uh, personal tent type of things to to wear over myself to keep myself dry and also take pictures at the same time. I I don't know. Yeah, the bottom line is you would have been much less comfortable than you actually were this past week. <laughs> it was... Yeah, it was it was such a gorgeous day. Yeah, it was really nice, and I'm sure that the players and coaches appreciated that yeah, too. You know, yeah. there's this there's this old like I don't know whatever you want to call it, sort of like a cliche that high school kids and coaches love playing tackle football in the mud and rain. I'm here to tell you, I, I don't know about that, <laughs> but I definitely wasn't one of those people. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't stand practicing or coaching or playing in, in wet, cold conditions because it just it changes the game so much and it, it takes away a lot of different things that teams do well, whether it's, you know, your footing on defense, getting a pass rush, or, you know, obviously ball handling stuff and like that on offense and special teams. So 
I don't know where that rumor ever came from, but <laughs> it was it was never something that I ever enjoyed. So I'm I'm glad that they had a chance to play in a their last game out there in in really good conditions. I would I would actually rather be in because I because remember the the D four championship game last year was a week before in freezing cold like like beyond freezing I want to say it was like ten degrees out, um, but no rain no precipitation I would I was that was more enjoyable to me than yeah. the freezing rain I'd rather be cold and dry than wet and then also cold um, and give me snow too I would much rather cover a game in the snow than in the rain yeah uh, snow is, is you know it's 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 still it's still wet but it, it you know it doesn't destroy notebooks and and you know i can still write things down uh, yeah in the get snow. droplets all over yeah. your expensive cameras etc <laughs> exactly um but anyway, that's i think that's enough about the weather we we didn't we didn't come here today to to, to talk about uh about the weather uh no but we could go on for longer <laughs> but, but to your point we shouldn't yeah um, yeah, let's start with, let's start with the D1 game. Um, you know, going into this, I, so I, I, when I got there, someone else asked me what I thought, you know, who, who's going to win? I'm like, you know, I could, I could make an argument for either team to win a close game. Um, and I also felt like too, you know, having, obviously these teams didn't play each other. Um, they didn't have any common opponents if I'm remembering correctly. I, I, that was the big thing too, yeah. was no common opponents. Which is actually what normally happens in division one but this year with all the the making of schedules um you know could have not been the case you know i was um i i thought that there was a chance too that either team could have won by a couple of touchdowns in hindsight having watched the game having seen it unfold um i just i mean i think it went about the way that it probably should have um i think north by far was the best team in the state this year, um, you know, and they were a couple touchdowns better, I think, uh, than everyone. Um, and that certainly showed, uh, you know, on in all phases on Saturday. Yeah, it's hard to argue given the results. I, you know, what I saw, having seen some of the film, um, I, I obviously wasn't there live, but uh, was, you know, Gosstown's strength, I think, this year was, size and power right there they were a very very big and you, you've said this several times they were a very big football team not just up front but i mean even their skill position guys yeah. uh you know i mean there's a couple guys that are more prototypical short quick guys but even their shorter guys are stocky and well built you know like weight room type guys they're they're they were a powerful team but then uh, having taken a really good look at north i mean north is big too um but north had you know, we were talking a little bit before we got on here. North had the speed, yeah, um, advantage. I think so. So North was had that that sort of power and size advantage, but it, it wasn't. You know, it, it it wasn't counterbalancing a lack of speed or or you know not. They had almost superior speed as well. So they were yeah. Looking at it the way you said it, it it kind of panned out that way. Yeah, it was. You know the. And in many cases this year, um, you know, Goffstown's size, they were just kind of able to, to wear teams down. Um, yeah, they were certainly capable of making big plays. They made a bunch of big plays in uh, in Saturday's game. Um, but I think, you know, this was the first game, for, and this, I think, goes for both sides. You know, this was the 
biggest opponent they'd taken on this year. And for Goffstown, the lack of that, you know, kind of um, elite speed was was the big difference. You know, they couldn't really wear North down. I mean, they, they weren't going to be able to wear North down because of, I think, the size matchup. Um, you know, and then it just comes down to, to you know, other factors, and, and that speed was a killer. I mean, you saw it. You saw it on on the first touchdown there, the interception return by by Curtis Harris Lopez. That he, you know, he catches the ball. He's in a crowd, and you know, before anyone really has a chance to react, he's you know he's bounced outside and he's gone. Yeah, um, there was one kid that looked like he might have had an angle on him, and then Harris shifted gears, and there was no more angle. <laughs> the kid was in. The kid went from angle to chase mode in like the span of like three or three or four yards. Yeah. yeah. You know, that he, he just separated that quickly. And, and, and it's funny cause you made a point to me uh, via text during the game. <laughs> he doesn't look like he's like sprinting. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Curtis. Yeah. Like he <laughs> just has this really nice stride and he just kind of opens up a little bit and it doesn't look like he's putting a whole lot of effort into being one of the fastest kids in the state the, the, on the football field at least you know so yeah the long touch the other long touchdown run he had the, the 63 yarder I mean he he got into that top gear so much quicker than everyone else so that he was outside and down the field um that he did I think he might have jogged the last 15 yards yeah. I mean, it certainly looked like it. If that was his, you know, if, if that couldn't have been his top speed because he just looked like he was on cruise control, yeah. um, you know, at the end of that run. And it just was, yeah, it, it it was, you know, it was good to see too because sometimes you get into these big games and, you and you know, sometimes, you know, you got your big-time players and, and you, you, you look at them to make those kind of plays and it doesn't always work out that way. To see him and, and uh, guys like Jaden Espinal and... Um, you know Isaac Smith, the skill guys, and then you had um, you know Max Ackerman, Spencer Whiting, you know guys like that up front that made um, you know that came up with some really big plays, uh, and in in a game like that, and it just was it was it was a lot of fun to watch, and and you know I I guess I'll I'll put on my my Homer hat a little bit here, um, being a you know being a guy that grew up in Nashua, um, you know that has worked you know in the area for a while, it was. It was nice to see some, uh, a, a, you know, a hometown school. Of course, North wasn't here when I, I went to school here, um, you know, but I've certainly been around these guys a lot. You know, some of the former coaches and, and current coaches are guys that I knew from, from when I was in high school. So it was nice to see them see them get this win and, and, and get the program's first championship. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think you made, you made a point, too, that I think is really kind of worth exploring a little bit, which when you said – you know, a lot of times you, you get into these big games and your quote-unquote star player has got to come through for you and they, they don't always have that opportunity, right? Sometimes you don't see them have that big game in that, in that playoff game or that championship game. And I think part of the reason for that is obviously when you start to play better and better competition, you know, obviously the coaching staffs on those other teams are doing everything they can to try to scheme that kid out of the game. Right. You're going to double cover a great receiver. You're going to bracket a guy. You're going to, you know, have somebody spy a guy, whatever you do. Right. You, you've got different different things, obviously, that you can do schematically. And so I think that's the other tribute to the way North got their business done, though, is like. I, th I think it's hard to take Harris Lopez away when you have guys like Isaac Smith, you have guys like Jaden Espinal that can 
that can also make you pay really, really bad. If you're committing an extra defender or something schematically just to try to bottle up Harris, uh, Lopez, you know, one of those guys is going to torture. Yeah. Yeah. And so it almost, it almost looked to me like, you know, I mean, I'm sure they had something schematically there, but it, it looked to me like Gostown kind of knew they had to play it straight. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't kind of just key their whole deal off of stopping Curtis Harris Lopez and, um, you know, that, that allows everybody to have, you know, a, an opportunity, you know, in, in terms of uh, productivity and things like that. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, I want to mention too, um, you know, I, I, a lot of people probably look at that third quarter and, and think that that's, you know, kind of, I mean, and, 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 you know, that was a tough start for, for Goffstown in that quarter, giving up the, the touchdown on the opening drive and then the fumble returned for North by Espinal that, that put it into running time. But, there was a stretch there in the second quarter that I thought, um, or a couple of sequences that really kind of, you know, that was where North won the game, I think. You know, you had, um, you know, the first long touchdown pass from from Jarrett Hanalt to, to Jeremy Hanalt, the 45-yarder, early in the second quarter, made it 21-14 to 14 North. Um, you know, Goffstown kicks off. Uh, it's kind of a short kick. Smith, ca- you know, looks like he's going to catch it and then all of a sudden the you know the ball bounces off him and rolls away and I actually I asked him um you know after the game and and actually wrote about this a little bit today you know what what happened on that and he he actually uh he said the sun got in his eyes and yeah. uh, he didn't actually see the ball hit him um and it took him a second to to find it and from where you know where I was standing at the you know the opposite end zone it I could see it happen like he picked up the ball and it was almost that that split second of you know delay in his return that I you know when he picked it up I was like oh, wait a minute there's a there's a lane here for him to to score you know when he does he returns at 72 yards and it goes from being a one score game to a two score game in in 12 seconds yeah and I and I saw that play um on video and you know there was nothing I know it sounds strange because it sounds like you know it's something you'd be hoping for uh, as the coach of the kicking team, not the kick returning team, but for whatever reason, and it's particularly prevalent in high school football, but you, you see it in NFL and college too. Sometimes those bobbled kicks on the kickoff, not certainly not on a punt, but on a kickoff, they can lead to huge plays. Yeah. And I think it's just because the timing of all the, the, the coverage team running down, right? A lot of those guys have, um, either lanes they're running or they have uh, like aiming points in terms of whatever the, the kick return team's blocking scheme is going to be, right? So you try to fit into that. And a lot of time that gets disrupted just with that, you know, that, that bobbled, that, that, you know, bobbling the, the, the return. Yeah. And guys tend to almost kind of like run past their angle just, just enough so that if the kicking, the kick return team recovers that ball and can hit it going full speed, they're running right past all those guys that now have lost their angles, lost their fits and, and, and something really bad could happen. So like it did here, right. Or, <laughs> yeah, or good yeah. if you're the return team. So that was always one of the things that I dreaded when I was coaching was I, I hated th- that bobbled kick when it was deep because it, it, it could be good for you, but it could also be disastrous for whatever reason. It's just, it just seems to work out that way. Um, after that return, uh, you know, I didn't really th- think of this until afterwards I was looking at my notes um you know Goffstown had the ball for almost six minutes after that kickoff return um 
they went on a drive that started at their own 23. They got down to the north 35, and then, um, you know, a six-yard loss, an incomplete pass, uh, set up a, a third and 13, or excuse me, fourth and 13. And, um, you know, I wondered, you know, you hate to second-guess, you know, decisions in games like this, but I this was one that I definitely kind of wondered about. So, you know, you're under four minutes left in the half. Um, you're down two scores. It's fourth and 13. Yeah, you're on north side of the field, but, I mean, they've already shown that they can score from, from anywhere on the field. Um, thought maybe that Goffstown was going to punt, but they didn't. They went for it, didn't get it. Um, you know, and then north is able to come back and, and go on a drive. Uh, it was actually looked like it was going to, you know, that, that Goffstown was going to get get them off the field. Um, and Because uh, uh, north was facing, what, a third and 11 at Goffstown's 41. And... North threw its only pass of the game, um, and it wasn't Harris Lopez that threw it. It was, uh, you know, it was an option to uh, Derek Finlay, who threw yep. it to Lucas Cunningham for a 37-yard gain. Um, and I, you know, it's one of those things. It's like in a normal season, maybe you know, championship game. We're talking about the 12th game of the year. I, and, and again, this goes back to I think something we talked a lot about at times this year, you know, 12th game of the year, plus a couple scrimmages, at some point maybe you've broken that that gadget play out at some point. That was the, I mean, I've, I've seen, like we said, I think last week, just by the, the luck of the draw, I've seen every North game this season. They hadn't run that play at all this year. Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden in the championship game, they break it out, and it goes for a huge game, sets up another touchdown, and then it's going in 35-14 at the half. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because... You know, when you're a really good team, you you put those kind of things in sometimes because, one, you have the talent to, to probably execute it. And, two, you're trying to keep, you know, a lot of times you're just trying to keep the kids interested and fresh, right, because you have your base, yeah. you know, offensive package that you run, and you run it really well, obviously, but it's like, you know, there's only so much repping you can do of your, your six or seven running plays and your 12 to 15 passing plays, whatever you've got in your package, right? So, um but it's funny because you know I've had I've had years where we've been we've been pretty good offensively and you 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 put those plays in practice early in the season and and you never end up running them. You just never you're never in a situation where you say hey now's the time to do it. And I, I was always one of those coaches where I, I didn't want to do it just to do it either. Yeah. I, that, that, I mean there's nothing wrong with that but that just wasn't my style, right? It was like you wanted to do it when it when it was going to matter, you had to sort of time it. Um, some coaches like to get that stuff on film and make it prepare for it. And again, there's nothing wrong with that either, but it might've just been one of those cases where, you know, it's not like North was seriously contested at any point this year. And, you know, they might've had that play in for weeks and just never found a reason to pull the trigger on it. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's in a situation too. I mean, if you're Goffstown, you probably are expecting something else. I mean, you, you're not expect you're expect maybe, you know, you're expecting Harris Lopez to try to throw it, um, you know, which he'd had some success doing throughout the year. Um, you know, but, I mean, I, I don't think you're expecting that. No. Um, you know, and there wasn't a lot of film that, you know, the the uh, guy that threw it, um, Finley was has been their backup quarterback earlier in the year. But I don't know if he'd thrown a pass before that. I don't think he – he might have. But if, if he was, it was kind of – you know, in one of those games where it's already gotten kind of out of hand and they're just trying to, you know, get some get get out of the game, you know, unscathed kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, to, to pull that out at that moment was um, 
you know, it was it was pretty unexpected. I know there were a couple people around, you know, around where I was who were just kind of gee, like, oh man, they they just can't they can't do anything wrong today. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of the it's sometimes those those kind of plays too are a backbreaker, right? I mean. Was I reading in the article that that was on your website? Was that their only pass play of the, the day? Only, yeah, that was the only pass attempt. Like, yeah. and, and I don't even think there was like a you know a a play where they were dropping back to pass and and then it turned into a run. Like you know, and and Harris Lopez ended up running. Like they that was the only intentional pass pass play of the game, I believe. Huh. Just yeah, which was, I mean, just remarkable. Um, yeah. You know, not the kind of thing that you expect in this day and age. Uh, certainly, from a team that's running a, a, a spread offense. Yeah, it's like the Hollis Brookline game against Plymouth last year, where they didn't they well, didn't yeah. attempt to pass well, either. Right, but they had I a mean, good, different weather they, conditions. Yeah, I was gonna say they had a good reason for not to, for right. not doing that. Um, you know, so uh, and congratulations to to North on on winning the winning the program's first championship, um, and I believe the. Um, the third boys championship team championship since that school opened. I think baseball and, and, and track have both also won championships, uh, you know, and, and kind of fun too to, to, I was thinking about, um, thinking about this earlier today. I know we talked about, you know, them uh, getting to the fun, division one finals back in 2009, 2010. And I don't know why it didn't dawn on me um, earlier, but uh, you know, that 2010 division one, 2010 championship was actually the first championship game uh, that I covered for this website um, back in 2010. So that's kind of a kind of an interesting uh, just tidbit that probably doesn't mean much to anyone other than myself. So <laughs> uh, yeah, full circle in a yeah, decade yeah, and kind of interesting. Yeah, that's that's good. And you know, and I, I still think we mentioned this at the you know at, at the the conclusion uh, of the of the show last week. I still think, despite the disparity in the score this game still represented the two best teams right. in division one. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, it was definitely North day. Like you said, it was almost kind of like they couldn't really do anything wrong. I mean, right to the, right to the first drive pick six and everything through, but Gosstown's still a good team, right? I mean, you look at the size that they had up front, you look at um, the two Hinault brothers and all the things that they did this season. And by the way, both had a very, very good games again, despite the loss, um, I thought Picard ran really well from what I saw of him. Yeah. Um, he's just a tough back. He's got good speed. Um, and I thought North did a really good job. Uh, and you were mentioning this, um, again, kind of before we got on, but I, I thought North did a really good job of, um, you know, shutting down some of the, the receiving threats. Yeah, they they played an interesting um, kind of coverage at times. And, and yeah, they took out um, um, Jonah Lopez, who was probably – uh, Goffstown's top top receiver brought two guys over on him at times. That was um, an interesting look. Um, yeah, but and you're you're right um, about Picard. I mean, I had him for over 130 yards uh, rushing in that game, and he was really at times like if they needed they needed yards, um, you know, he was kind of the go-to guy. It was really really unfortunate. The fumble was kind of an unfortunate play. Um, you know, I think it ball just kind of slipped out of his hands, and it just so happened there was no one, no Goffstown player near it. Um, you know, when when Espinal scooped it up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure he feels bad about that, but everything that he contributed this season, 
and everything that he contributed, even in this this championship game, he, he's a good back. I hadn't had much of a chance to see him other than a couple of highlights and things, but being able to see more of this, you know, from a streaming perspective and stuff, you know, he, he's a good player. He's a senior, right? Yeah, he is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, one of a couple. Yeah, he had of, a good uh, career. A couple of key seniors that Goffstown is going to lose, but they return uh, quite a bit um, next year. Uh, and 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 de- you know definitely have to congratulate Goffstown too on on their season. I mean it's uh, definitely didn't end the way they wanted it to, but I think you know with uh, you know all the question marks going into this year, new head coach, um, you know not that they they changed a ton, um, you know with the things that they did, but still you never you know different person you know kind of barking at you, so you never know how that's going to go. Yeah. Um, but you know for them to get to this point. Um, you know, and, and the way that they did it was very impressive. It's definitely um, definitely a, a great season for them and hopefully something that they can build off of, uh, like I said, with a lot of kids back next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't feel lousy about having a, a season where you essentially went undefeated up until the last game. I mean, I know it hurts now probably, but, you know, there's not many teams that can – that can hang their hat on even even just that right especially with all the adversity that was going on this year so definitely a good deal yeah and uh, well on along those lines too i mean they were the only they played the most games in the state too they played nine games right um you know the only team to i think not have one uh postponed or canceled or, or something um forfeited whatever whatever you want to call it um, yeah yeah nine games was the most you, they could have played this year and they played them yeah, right. They weren't they weren't undefeated at three and zero, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, what do you say we move on to the uh, the other game from Saturday uh, in Division Two, uh, the Division Two championship game, um, one that we, uh, you know, we, we've seen many versions of, I think, over the years, and and I think we kind of got maybe what we expected um, from this game. Of course, uh, Sauhegan hosting Plymouth, and um, you know, I. I I saw, I think at some point on Twitter, it was, what, 20 to 7 Sauhegan, and I kind of thought, well, geez, it looks like, you know, maybe, um, I thought there was a chance they could get up by a couple touchdowns and maybe hold on, you know, win by that, but, uh, you know, next thing I know, I look, and it's it's 21-20 Plymouth, and, and all of a sudden, the game's on the line. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really kind of a classic game with some lead changes, um, as we as we talked about um, in the last show you know, sort of an, uh, an old rivalry that had a lot of, um, uh, you know, bad blood isn't the right word, right? But it, it's not, it, not a fun rivalry, right? I mean, this was kind of a, maybe a, kind maybe of a serious... A bitter, uh, a bitter rivalry, how about that? Yeah, right, you know, where, where uh, you know, it went back quite a ways, and, and even to days where, you know, you could, you could boast that two of the best players in the state at the time were both on that, both on those old Division Three teams, right, between Sean Jellison and Mike Boyle, yeah. both of whom went and had really outstanding careers at UNH, um, battling each other. But yeah, this was this was kind of a, a really, really this is what you would have expected from a championship game, and it was it was contrasting styles as well, which I always like to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in these type of games, so um, so yeah, it was good. I, I got to see a lot of this one too, in fact, on on the film. It's kind of the uh, the the, I guess MVP of the game was uh, was Sauhegan's Riley Lawhorn. It sounds like almost 200 yards rushing, uh, and and comes up with, um, you know, the big clutch touchdown run, 
uh, right when you need it, which, you know, knowing, knowing him and knowing the kind of athlete that he is, I'm, you know, I can't say that I'm too, too surprised about that, that he was the guy that stepped up and, and made things happen. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, about Lawhorn and I, he's really probably the season MVP. You know, they, they had a lot of good players or otherwise yeah. they wouldn't be state champions, right? You had probably one of the best receivers, uh, in the division with, with Luke Manning. And he has been for a couple years now. Um, I think Austin Jane came along really well this past year. I thought he was pretty good last year, um, but he was he was a different quarterback this year. I felt right. like he he was more confident and poised. And um, you know, there's been there's been some some articles about uh, you know his development in the off season and things, which I thought were were really kind of interesting to read. But it's it, it you know it's been a while. Well, let me, let me first say, I, I, so that brings me back to, but I, I thought Lawhorn from a defensive perspective and offense, especially, and, and even special teams, right? I mean, he was right. the PAT and field goal kicker for special teams. He was really kind of the, the anchor for this Sauhegan championship team. And I was thinking after the game uh, and after, you know, after Sauhegan had won, I said, you know, I was thinking, wow, when was the last time that Sauhegan really had like their offense really had like a running back that they were featured around. Yeah. It's you know, been, and a, lo- a lot wild. of those um, later seasons, right. It was, it, you know, it was coach Bellevue and, and they had a really good quarterback or they had a couple of really good receivers. And, you know, in the years that, that I coached there, we were more of a running team, but I, I would not, I would not say that any one, any single one of our running backs, any one of those years was like a standout right. guy. You know, we kind of spread the ball around to different guys a little bit and got things done differently. But Lawhorn was really good for them this year. I mean, I, I watched him run. He had the speed, good size, good vision. Uh, it seemed like he had a lot of determination. He understood what I saw in the Plymouth film was, you know, he really understands how to use his blocking too, right? They're almost always kind of like bringing a guard around to lead for him or, you know, a guard and a, an H-back or a tackle doing different things that he, you know, he has to be patient with and kind of set that up. And he was very, very good at that. Um, so yeah, good player. Sorry for rambling on. <laughs> That's but... all right. No, I, you know what? I, was just, I was just trying to think of like, who would be the last guy? I, I mean, it's Steve Jellison. Yeah. yeah Steven Jellison was, was the kind of the lead guy. And again, a guy on both sides of the ball. I remember, um, I think it was the, the they beat Portsmouth what an 08 and 09 uh that group did in championship games I think it was probably one of those years I I think he they scored four times and I think he had all four touchdowns uh and one of them might have been a defensive touchdown or maybe that was the year after I'm they they blend together at this point you know yeah there, there was one year where they they beat Milford yeah. in a championship game and they had Steve Jellison and it was like they would they would throw the ball on an intermediate pass on third first down. They'd throw a screen on second down, get nothing, and then on third down they'd run Jellison and get ten yards and get a first down. And they would do that like like every single <laughs> every single sequence of first second down. First and second down was pass screen Jellison first down pass screen Jellison first down. I think that's the last time that that. I really saw a running back. Yeah, because even that, even the uh, sorry, the, even the the 2010 team was more quarterback focused. Um, yeah, because it was um, Mike Lux was the quarterback that year, and he kind of led the show. Yeah, uh, and they had some really good receivers that year. They did. Yeah, and then very good, big big yeah. guys on the outside, smaller, fast guys like Christian Innes on the inside. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and um, and then more recently, um, you know, they had a guy who was an offensive and defensive and special teams threat, but in, in, in Tyler Ford, but he was a he was a quarterback that senior year, right? So. Right. Um, yeah. So this was this was a it was an interesting year for for Sauhegan because again, you know, you and I have talked through the different um, you know through different shows here and, and talked about how the offenses are kind of behind a little bit. And so, you know, rather than do the rely on the quarterback, uh, you, you know, rely on a lot of the passing game stuff, they had a really good offensive line to get things done, and they had a good back to go to. And, you know, it was interesting. I was looking at the stats, and, and it looked like a lot of Lawhorn's yards came on a couple of big plays. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't pick that up just watching the film and stuff. You know, I was just kind of watching to get impressions and things. But it sounded like most of his yards came on those, those bigger plays, but man, those big plays were the plays they needed at the yeah. time they needed them. Yeah. You know, um, and I gotta say, you know, just, uh, uh, for Plymouth, um, I mean, it, like we said last week, fifth year in a row, getting to this point, um, you know, a team that's, that's really experienced in these kind of games. Uh, I, I really no surprise that they would come back, uh, take the lead in this one. Um, you know, and, and, and for those guys, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. Cody Bannon, the, their starting Bannon. quarterback. Yeah. You know, just yeah. uh, that, you know, that's a kid that's now, you know, had started three championship games at quarterback. Um, you know, what a, a tremendous uh, high school career for him. Um, you know, just um, to, to get to this point, too. I mean, they, they had a couple games, I think, what, postponed or forfeited, including the semifinal. Um you know, and again, tough year for everyone, but for them to, to kind of battle through some of those, those weak, unexpected weeks off and, and get here, um, you know, it's on the one hand, you look at it and say, well, it's Plymouth. It's not that much of a surprise, but, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, it's, it's still definitely, a, a something that you, um, trying to think of the right, right word, something that's, you know, you, you can't, uh, uh, you know, take it away from really, I guess, uh, yeah, no, it's like saying. you can't take it for my, granted. My turn, that, my turn to ramble there. No, I, I get what you're saying, right? You can't just – it's easy for people like us who, who are in the media, right, to, to, to just be like, oh, well, of course Plymouth's going to be there. But in a way, it takes – you know, and, and, and I think that's meant to be complimentary, but in a way, right, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. it, could, it could feel if you're a Plymouth fan or certainly a player or a coach, like it takes a little bit away from the hard work and the dedication – um, that it takes to have that kind of consistency because, you know, make no mistake, you know, football players, good football players don't just grow on trees in Plymouth, right? They're developed <laughs> and they're coached and um, they're brought together, right, by a sense of team unity and things. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's certainly not meant to, uh, you know, to kind of make it sound easy what Plymouth has done over the years. And, you know, and, and it showed sort of in a microcosm out there on the field on Saturday, right? The, the they went down, had a really great drive to start the game. I think, uh, in fact, I think Bannon Bannon ran it in for the first score, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and then what happens? They, they so he can counter punches on first down with Lawhorn, bang, right off the right side. I think nobody even touched him. Um, and and like you said, down by two scores to a pretty explosive team with what I still think is one of the best defenses in the state. And what did Plymouth do? They came back and darn near won the thing. 
you know, even with all that sort of topsy-turvy adversity that they had to fight against it, you know, there are a lot of other teams that might have folded up or, you know, lost some of their confidence or what have you. And, and they didn't do that. Right. I mean, they may not have won the game, but when you, you know, the performance that uh, like Joe Dembruzo had a great game yeah, on both sides of the ball, right. The performance that um, I think the, the, the defense put in, I mean, Sauhegan made them pay for like little mistakes, which is kind of unfortunate, but otherwise I thought they did a great job on, Lawhorn, uh, certainly better than a lot of other teams had this year. I mean, again, Lawhorn's a great player, and he, he made things happen when he needed to, and that's why they're champions today. But I thought Plymouth did a pretty good job on him otherwise. Would be, um, it'd be one of those ones, you, you know, we would love to see them play another 10 times. Uh, I think that would be, uh, you know, because it's going to be that kind of game every single time, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think probably the Savers and Coach Bauquette would not want to, <laughs> <laughs> to play that game again ten times. Of, you don't they don't want to have a best of three? No, no, and I don't blame them. But uh, but yeah, it, yeah, and and it it was it was really a, it was a great game, and I, I think both teams played really well. It seemed like it was a pretty cleanly played game. I mean, obviously, you know the the late interception. Um, that Savillo reeled in when they tr- ran sort of that that halfback reverse pass yeah. was kind of a backbreaker. But you know, you, I I don't know that you fault them for that either. I mean, you're trying to make something big happen. Right. It's a championship yeah. game. You've got nothing to lose, um, and it's very similar to what we were saying with the North call, right? I mean, you got that play in your pocket. You, you know, you can't take it with you next week. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't really fault them for trying to make something big happen there. And, you know, obviously it just didn't pan out, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of, uh, of Sauhegan, you know, I, you know, as, as you mentioned, I I coached there for several years and um, even before coaching there, it was a program that every single year, every single year that I coached high school football, um, no matter what division I coached in or what team I coached for, we always played against Sauhegan. Yeah. There hadn't been a single season in, in 20 whatever years of me coaching NHIA football where Sauhegan wasn't a part of uh, of any any one of those seasons. We either had him on Thanksgiving or we had him as part of the regular season or whatever it was. So, um, so you know, so it, it, it's really interesting for me to see the journey that the program's gone on in the last 20 years, and uh, uh, I'm proud that 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 group of guys and that coaching staff got a, a championship because I think it was well-deserved, especially in this environment. Yeah. I mean, for me to, for me, you know, when I moved, moved back up here, started working back up here, that was one of the two, one of the couple of schools that I really, uh, you know, was, was covering the most was Sauhegan, Milford, Hollis, Merrimack. Um, at that time, West Bedford, Bedford hadn't opened yet. So we were, we were covering the Bedford kids over at West. Um, so yeah, I mean it's been a it's been a, a program that that you know as a media person I've been around uh, for a long time. Um, you know I, I guess I'll 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 take this moment to kind of point out the uh, the negative that I think I don't remember if we we talked about this uh, post show last week or not, but man, just really frustrating to not be able to see both of these games. Uh, oh yeah, you know just um, I, we've been spoiled the last couple of years with with having all the championship games at UNH. For sure, um, and I, I know, and, I, and and definitely, 
understand the circumstances and and you know it, I think it turned out to be a great day um but yeah I would have liked to have been able to see both of them yeah it is kind of disappointing because you know we, we did talk about it a little bit last week and it does make you um I, I think it I think it gives you a better appreciation for what we had going up at UNH for the last whatever it's been seven or eight years that they've been doing that drill and letting everybody get in there and see the games as they progress and stuff. It's, it's uh, that it kind of highlights what a special event that is. It, I don't think it takes away um, anything from the games that happened, you know, this past weekend, but right. man, it would have been awesome to be able to see both of those games and not have to, you know, sort of pick and choose between them. Cause um, between the weather and, and the fact that, you know, like we've said, I, I truly believe that it was, it was really best on best in both yeah. of these divisions. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bummer to not have been able to see them both. So, you know, hopefully next year at this time, things will be cleared up a little bit. And um, I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and we'll be back at UNH maybe and be able to be able to kind of watch everybody play. And well, maybe, maybe we'll even be doing the podcast someplace, uh, you know, someplace in public rather than, uh, than over the phone. <laughs> That is also that would also be good. It's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, but it it hasn't been nearly as fun as getting uh, getting across from each other. And, and maybe that has something to do with the fact too that we'd order some barbecue or whatever <laughs> after. after. Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> our our post podcast uh, celebrations were always uh, enjoyable over at, over there at Riverside. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I don't want to get too much into maybe what we we thought about the season as a whole. It's of course what we're going to talk about next week but any um any final thoughts on either of these championship games before we uh before we wrap up no no i'm probably just going to rip the words right out of your mouth on this one though because i'm sure you'd you'd be saying something similar i mean i and i know it sounds fuzzy and we've said it a bunch of times but i I just i mean it so much i'm just so glad they were able to have these games this weekend absolutely i mean any one small slip up at either of these four schools and and I don't know what they would have done, you know? So, I mean, just that they were able to play through, get to this point, you had meaningful games happening between, again, what was at the end of the day, regardless of the, the crazy things that happened this year and the goofiness and the schedules, I, you, you still had the two best teams in each division squaring off against each other and being able to, to compete against each other and prove who the, the champion is it's a minor miracle that it got, you know, that it got done. And I'm just happy that the kids were able to go out there and the coaches were able to, to see them compete. It, 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 it was, you know, again, we were talking about not taking things for granted earlier. I mean, that's one of them that we just got a game. Yeah. Yeah. I would, um, I definitely was thinking that early in the week last week, you know, Monday and Tuesday was, that was definitely on my mind was, Oh, I just, please let us make it to Saturday. Um, but you know, as, yeah, as it kind of got later in the week and, and, you know, doing some more, you know, kind of research and stories and interviews and stuff, getting ready for the game, um, that kind of slipped my mind a little bit, um, you know, just getting ready for, yeah, like you said, two, two really great games, uh, four really great teams. And I, yeah, I definitely, I, I, I will say I did take a moment, um, I don't remember exactly when it was. It was either before the game or it was at halftime uh, to just kind of soak in what was going on. Um, you know, again, the nice weather certainly helped. 
Um, you know, the play on the field certainly helped. The fact that it was, uh, you know, it was an entertaining game. Um, you know, it was it was exactly what you want. F- you know, covering high school sports, um, contest, well contested game, well played game, um, and it just it felt really great to be out there, especially after, you know, going six months with with nothing. Um, that was definitely rough. Um, you know, and and on the other side of this year. You know, we don't really know what's going to happen with the winter season yet. Um, you know, they've they've set up dates. You know, the teams are allowed to start practicing on the 14th of December. Um, games are tentatively supposed to start on, on January 11th. Um, you know, there's been I, – I know there's been a couple of school districts that have, have okayed sports. But, um, you know, as we've kind of been talking here, I've you know, I've had an eye on, on Twitter and, and see that uh, – you know, Manchester School Board has has kicked the can down the road again. Um, you know, tabling any discussion on sports for another two weeks. So we still, yeah, still don't know what's going to happen. Um, we could go. You know, it was kind of we were kind of joking uh, myself and and other media people at the game, saying, uh, "Yeah, have a good holidays. We'll you know see you in April." Uh, yeah. You know, just because we don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, it it was definitely definitely tried to to appreciate. Um, you know, the opportunity to be at that game Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and along those lines, Joe, are, are there, are there um, Thanksgiving day games happening this year? They're not. No. Um, I think, I know that Nashua canceled its game um, wow. fairly early on. And I, I mean, I got to imagine Manchester's game is off too. Um, just, yeah. I mean, those two, those schools have been all, you know, haven't played for, for, go, you know, close to a month now, I believe. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a, that's a decades yeah. and decades old tradition in both cities. I think Trinity and St. Thomas had played they played last year, I believe, and they were going to try to play again this year, but I think they even that I think that one's off as well. I think I read that that one was off. That was the only one that I actually remembered reading about though. I don't I don't I don't remember I didn't recall what they were doing with the you know, I guess what I would call the the really the big two, right? The, the yeah. two city championships or the ones that uh, you know, sort of have the most history and stuff. So, boy, that's a shame. I mean, I know it's, you know, it's probably not worth the risk. It's kind of a quote-unquote meaningless game and all right, that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you're used to that, if you're a, a Manchester school or you're north and south or whatever, and you're used to having that be part of your tradition, um, it's still going to hurt. But I, I understand the decision. Yeah. Yeah, so that really does, yeah, it does really wrap it up for uh, for games for uh yeah, for some time now. Yep. Um, yeah, because normally we'd be seeing basketball starting up, um, you know, maybe even a few days before they're actually going to start practicing. So it's going to be uh, a little quiet for, for a while. going to have to, you know, really stretch to uh, to get some things up on the site. But um, I've got some I got some ideas going and we still have we still have another week of this. So you're going to you can listen to us. Uh, you know, we, we're going to recap the entire season and uh, take a little bit of a look ahead to the uh to to what we could expect in the uh the 2021 season uh, i don't know about you but i'm that's probably what i'm i'm most looking forward to i mean I'm, I'm i am you know excited to talk about this season but you know i i always enjoy i think you know me i always enjoy looking ahead and trying to guess what's going to happen yeah yeah and it's, it's always fun because we we're you know you're on about some things but you're way off about others and <laughs> you know you can laugh about both of them as the as the season finally progresses the year later but uh yeah it should be good i'm looking forward to that well he is uh mike lockman mike thanks again for joining us thank you joe
I am Joe Marcellina, and we will talk to you again next week.